We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know what I was actually thinking about right before we, we started the going live was that you are to best ball volume at this point, like what I am to dynasty volume as far as like the number of leagues in. And, you know, we're going to talk about all the dynasty leagues that we're in together and dynasty strategy. But I'm just curious, how many uh, best ball drafts are you going to do in an average offseason? Oh, my goodness. It's last year. I probably did about 600 or so. I'm already about 50 deep now on the, the two main underdog contests, the uh, big board, which was their main single QB pre-draft contest, which filled incredibly quick. And now they have a big um, super flex big board up right now, which is a really interesting new way to do best ball on this scale. So I know you're a big super flex proponent. You have been the, the main super flex advocate or one of them in the industry. So I know you probably snuck a few into that, but I'm about... 15 deep in the super flex one right now and probably like 30 to 40 deep in the, uh, the single QB one. So with the super flex, uh, contest that they're running right now though, isn't that, uh, like you only draft four players or something like that? No, 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 no. That's that's this one is like, you've obviously done like their best ball mania, their big contests like that. Now what this super flex one they did is they it's this, the same roster construction except they took away one receiver so you only have to start two receivers two running backs a flex and a an, and a super flex so it's kind of it runs a lot like your typical super flex home league as far as roster construction and it's half point PPR yeah, I wonder why they turned the third receiver into a super flex. Maybe it's just easier for like their algorithms or something. That's what I'm thinking. I would have, I, I assumed at first that they just added a super flex for the first draft I did. And that I just, I would recommend anybody before you enter a contest to take the time to read the rules and don't assume anything. Cause that first draft I did, I assumed that it was still three receiver and they just added a, a super flex position. There are 20 round drafts but they actually took a receiver away. So it does make a difference, like how many you're going to draft and what you want, how you want to construct your rosters. Yeah. It's funny. You say, read the rules because we think of that as like, of course you're going to read the rules, but I had Peter Shanky, a uh, rotowire president and founder on this podcast, doing a baseball, like three mistakes that drafters always make. And he said, he goes, I'm going to start off by just telling you, most people don't read the rules and you need to read the rules. And he was talking about it in terms of baseball, but you just made it just perfectly sense. A contest changes. Oh my God, all the super flex maniacs get excited, but they don't realize 
wide receiver, not only did they increase the value and turn up the volume on quarterback, they turned down the volume on receiver, which again, I understand maybe why they did it. It just seems a little counter. Like the whole idea was to raise quarterback up to balance it with the other positions, not to pull the volume down. So, but that, that's a debate. I mean, you know, you and I play in a ton of these leagues where there's like three receivers, two flex, a super flex, sometimes multiple tight ends. So, yeah. And uh, yeah, you, if you don't know, exactly what the rules are what the scoring is what um you know you're just going to construct rosters that aren't plus ev and i like doing these drafts especially this time of year where people are just kind of getting a feel for it you see there's probably three or four teams out of the 12 you draft with that are essentially drawing dead right from the start just because they mangled how bad they they constructed their rosters and i and it Best ball is a relatively new game compared to, to Dynasty, compared to DFS, what we're doing. So it's not like it's figured out. It's not like there's an ideal roster construction, but there is roster constructions that are going to really hamper you if you're not paying attention to that kind of stuff. Yeah, often, and there is definite strategy. We had Josh Larkey on last week talking about best ball strategy. And, uh, you know, I love the way guys like him, guys like you think about it. It's, you know, when you're when you're doing multiple hundred permutations you get a chance to see like what works and i guess really that's one of my questions for you like what's the what's your edge in those games why are you doing such high volume you must feel like you have an edge or i mean obviously everyone loves drafting but why so many i do i i think this for me especially if, if you're going to be drafting this time of year like obviously we don't know where drake london's going to be on you know we don't know um up until a couple of days ago, we didn't know where Deshaun Watson was going to be the quarterback. And we still don't know where Baker Mayfield is going to be playing. What you want to do is, I think, be able to get guys at a value that they're not going to be available in September and build a portfolio. Now, th- I'm kind of kicking myself for not doing this. I honestly believe Brady was retired. Like, I thought that Tom Brady, like, why go through the whole rigmarole, like, announce it, like, have Adam Schefter... Um, you know, break the story, then you announce it yourself just to come back two months later. So there were people in this super flex um, big tournament on underdog that were drafting Brady in the 15th round and doing that for weeks. And every draft I kind of looked at him like, oh, I don't know about that. Giving up a roster spot is is a pretty pricey, um, you know, sacrifice. But now Brady goes in the late first round, middle first round, sometimes like early second at the absolute latest. And there's like, thousands of people that have him at a 15th round value, which is incredibly valuable. So you got to be willing to take those risks to gain like plus EV rosters. And that's why I like being able to like, I think I can speculate that obviously I missed on the Brady one. You're not going to be hundred percent on everything, but I like getting involved now and kind of reacting to news in, in ways, things that I see might be overstated or might be understated. Like last year, when a prime example of this for me, I was way overweight on Jamar Chase just because there went there was that whole like two week period where the beat writers were writing these stories because they got to produce content. They're doing their good job. He's dropping the ball at practice. But I'm like, this guy won the Belinikoff Award at 19 years old. He's going to one of the best young quarterbacks in the league who was his college quarterback. He knows how to catch, but he was legitimately dropping two rounds in an ADP. So you were getting him in the sixth occasionally the seventh round. So I was just buying, buying, buying that dip, like nonstop. 
Yeah, you said something interesting there, and it's about leaning into the uncertainty. Some people don't, oh, why? You know, you always hear that all the time. And, you know, we experienced that in some of our home league drafts, Chris, where, you know, everyone's like, well, why are we going to draft in June or July? It's like, you know, all these injuries could happen, but it's leaning into that uncertainty that actually creates the edge for the experienced fantasy players. So when you're playing in your casual leagues, the better, the more uncertainty, the more edge you have, the more information that's solidified, the more the casual players have, you know, the edge balances back out. And specifically uh, in best ball, I like what you said there. It's almost like you, if you're in a big board contest at this point, you cannot draft Tom Brady. You can't take him in the first round because somebody else already has him in the 15th round. So you can't, you just have to hope that, or, you know, your edge would be if Brady fails or if Brady just, he hits the Peyton Manning cliff. Because if you're taking him in the first round and someone else has him in 15 and then, you know, you're wasting essentially a first round picket, it, it basically puts him off the radar in those contests, right? Yeah, no, it, I, I totally agree because if, if you are using a first round pick on Tom, on Tom Brady, someone else is, you know, coupling is taking Jonathan Taylor in that same spot. Whereas the running back that you took in the 15th round is Pierre strong. And you don't even know if he's going to be on a roster. Like just the two V two there is just, you're incredibly disadvantaged, but that's the beautiful thing about, you know, starting drafting in March underdogs going to keep releasing new contests every few weeks, every few months. There's, they haven't even, you know, started their biggest ones yet. And DraftKings hasn't even put out their, you know, started their best ball product. I'm sure there's going to be some other big sites that are going to be diving more heavily into the best ball streets this year. So there's always opportunity if, if you think you missed the the wave to get to get back on and, and get them at a fair value relative to where everybody else is, is playing. Yeah, I'm here talking with Chris Felicita from writes for DFS Army, some of my favorite off-season best ball articles. And Chris, where else did, you've written in a couple other spots before too for some other fantasy sites? What yeah. was the other spot that you ran that you did some articles for? I, I did some blogs for Roto Grinders before I started uh, writing consistently for DFS Army. I uh, wrote actually covered the Yankees for SB Nation like a few years back, and uh, I've just been kind of playing fantasy as you know for for decades now at this point without trying to age myself, but. Uh, but this is really a best ball is where I've kind of found my link. And I, I love dynasty too. Obviously I, I don't do it. Like I can't, I can't manage as many leagues as you do. And I don't know how you do it with the waivers <laughs> and everything. It's just, it amazes me the, the kind of, um, I guess like just organization that takes to be able yeah. to, to manage be, that many leagues. If you came, if you came into the back room where the kitchen and the food's being made, you would see it's not that organized, <laughs> but um. The reason that I have Chris on the podcast because he is a master of strategy in my judgment, and we're gonna you know talk some dynasty strategy uh, in a minute. We're gonna also talk about some players uh, when you're drafting in startups that we both don't like. We think are landmines. We think are busts, and we'll have some debate about that. I'm sure we'll agree on some, disagree on other, but either way, I love talking about that because it opens up avenue for discussion. But as always, the RotoWire. Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by WinBet. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor of RotoWire's Fantasy Podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action, user-friendly interface, money line bets, and all the digital casino stuff that you could imagine. WinBet is currently available in nine states, rapidly expanding. That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner of RotoWire's Fantasy Podcast. Make a qualifying deposit today and use code ROTOWIRE, $200 deposit match. 
Okay, we got that out of the way. Um, so Dynasty, uh, I know what you're saying. Best ball is is easy easier to manage than Dynasty leagues. But when you're in like these these large Dynasty leagues, like you and I are, like we were talking about, like three receivers, two flex. The way, sure, waivers come up, but it's not as much of a, a grind once you get midseason because everybody's rostered. Especially we have ten man taxi uh, taxi squads to stash all these these one year one and year two players, but. I also think that what's becoming popular now is Dynasty Best Ball. I'm in a few of those, which kind of makes it a little bit easier, but obviously it changes the strategy. All right, let's uh, for the next. Um, let's get let's get a player discussion started on some some bus players. So this is Dynasty startup season. Everyone's in their drafts. Uh, a couple different ways people are doing it is they they take the rookie picks out and then they have like a reverse order rookie draft similar to what we did in our our big dynasty league or what I like now is in a dynasty startup drafts, they put the kickers in there as placeholders. And what you do is you draft kickers as picks. So the first kicker drafted would be the pick one Oh one. The second kicker draft is one Oh two. So you're not necessarily drafting Malik Willis and then he gets hurt and then you're, you're out of luck, but you're just drafting the pick within the, the veteran pool and that acts as like an insulated pick. So I think that's a more fair way to do it in startups. Yeah, that's that, a really interesting way to do it. I've, ne- I've never played that until you showed me the draft you did uh, recently just for some uh, perspective. But I thought that was really interesting. It just, it's a better way to do it because drafting 101, who we think, Bright, uh, Brees Hall being 101 today, that could totally change by the time we get if some quarterback that shoots up the board that we don't know. Baker Mayfield was not the 101 at, in his draft year at this time last year. I mean, no. uh, his year, his year. No, of course not. And like, I think Willis is going to go higher than people expect. I think I somebody do. is going to, yeah, I think he's going to be in the top five. Every year, someone talks themselves into a quarterback or two. Like, even look at like Goff and Wentz that year. Nobody thought they were elite, you know, top prospects. Baker Mayfield before his senior year was thought to be like a sixth round pick. Burrow was thought to be like a sixth round pick before he um, had his legendary senior year at LSU. So, and those, I mean, those, I think those guys are better than, than what we're seeing this year, but Willis certainly has all the tools. Like there's nothing that that kid lacks as far as arm strength, mobility, like size, like what I, someone's going to talk themselves into that potential. I, I don't even think they need to talk themselves into it. We were talking yesterday. I was on the uh, flex network pod with those guys and there's been my, uh, by uh, uh, Tomlin has made no bones about it that he is interested in Malik Willis. They're going to probably have to come up into the top five, like you just said, to beat Carolina, who has the six pick to take him. And Mitch Trubisky, the reason they signed Mitch Trubisky for such a cheap contract is to set the offense up with a mobile quarterback, let Mitch take all the crash test dummy hits, and then insert Willis once they feel the offensive line is up to par. Or if Willis shows out in practice, Put him in right away. But Mitch Trubisky and Willis, obviously, it's a similar style quarterback. Poor man's, very rich man's. But you can't just throw a Mason Rudolph, you know, pocket passer in there and then insert Willis into the offense. So I think that Pittsburgh is going to do everything they can to do what you just said and get up into the top five. All right, let's talk some dynasty busts. Who's the first guy that you put on your list that dynasty drafters should not take in their startup drafts? Okay, see, I, I, I'm coming today with, Three guys that that are all dudes that I think are excellent players. So I'm not going to come in here and say um, 
This is know, all talk, at ADP, by the way. Yes, we're all, at, we're this is all relative to ADP because I think you, you've said this a, t- a bunch of times. Like, I'll draft anybody if the price is right. But, like, I think it's easy to come in here and mention, like, a 32-year-old receiver or a running back that's just coming off, like, 1,200 carries over three years. But I want to go with some guys that are going to, like, piss some people off a little bit. Dudes that I actually think are really good players, but I just don't like them at their ADP. And the first one that I'm going to bring up, um, your our discussion about Pittsburgh kind of leads into this. I think Deontay Johnson is going entirely too high based on assumptions and statistics that we saw him put up with Ben Roethlisberger just peppering him with targets and using him as a security blanket. Like, I don't think that we know that that he is going to see that kind of volume from Mitch Trubisky. Okay, right now, wide receiver nine in dynasty startup drafts. Yeah, he's going like an entire like four rounds, four or five rounds ahead of Chase Claypool. Now, I think Claypool is a comparable talent to to Deontay Johnson. And if sure, if we were drafting in a vacuum and, you know, what I would take Johnson first. But like I just looked at that dynasty startup that you sent me, you're getting so much value with Claypool. And last year. Roethlisberger was a corpse. He couldn't move around in the pocket long enough to be able to throw the ball down the field. He literally didn't have the arm strength to do it anymore. And I heard an interesting stat. I think it was Jake Seeley, maybe on the Pat Mayo podcast, talked about how over the last three years, um, Ben's average depth of target was significantly less than what Mitch Trubisky's is for his career. So we don't know that Trubisky is going to just – feed targets to Johnson like Roethlisberger did like he might he might develop a rapport with Claypool and this is the type of thing where we're we're drafting all season you know like someone like me and you who are savages we're gonna do I'm gonna do hundreds of best balls you're gonna do countless dynasty startups but we're gonna pay it and you have to be willing to change these opinions you have to be willing to, to to incorporate new information but as of right now, I am much preferring the four to five round discount on Claypool based on what I think is assumptions that we don't know to be true with Trubisky. Or God forbid they do take Willis like you suppose. We've seen that guy throw 60-yard beautiful dimes. Like him and Claypool would be a gorgeous combination, I think, in the, in the chance that that happens. So at this point, at cost, I'm a fade on, on Deontay Johnson. Yeah, I like that call a lot. And like you said, when a new quarterback comes in, the uncertainty of who their, you know, their connection is going to be. We all knew Cooper Cup was great, but when Matthew Stafford came in, it just really elevated him to that elite echelon. Uh, right now, okay, so I still have my old Deontay Johnson ranking here. I have him at nine on the Rotowire Dynasty Superflex wide receiver rankings. They're available free right now. For uh, Just go to rotowire.com forward slash try, get Rotowire 10 days. Um, but I agree. He's got to move down. So I'm just going to give you a couple of the, the names. We're going to do this live on air. This is see, this is why we have these discussions because I have him right where the consensus is. I had moved him up and now time it, it, rational thought has come in. And I think like, if, could, if you have it in front of you out of curiosity, like who are like the next two or three receivers in your dynasty rankings after Deontay after. Johnson, okay. Right so there, this yeah. is who I have after that's basically what we're going to do. I'm going to read you the next five names and then, yep. um, Stefan Diggs or Deontay Johnson. I'm taking Diggs right now for sure. That, 28-year-old Diggs, 25-year-old Deontay Johnson, right? I, um, but I'm using your own logic on you here that I played Dynasty for three years. That's I'm looking, I think if you try to do anything, project anything past that, 
you're giving yourself too much credit as a as a projector to Nostradamus. I'm trying to win money for three years. And for the next three years, I want Steph Diggs over Deontay Johnson. 29-year-old Devontae Adams, who's with Derek Carr. Um, I, mean, I think he takes a little of a, of a hit moving from uh, Rodgers to Carr, but I would still, in a, in a looking at a three-year window, I want Adams. Okay. Uh, T. Higgins, 23 years old, to Deontay Johnson. I, I really like T. I, I love the Cincinnati offense. Um, okay. That I That's a really close one right there. That's a pivot point because I, I think he is – I'm, I'm a big chase guy. Like in, in our dynasty startup that you do ran the, the Madden curse league. I took pits in um, with the, the two overall in the rookie draft last year. It's tight end premium premium over chase. And I still kind of think I maybe screwed that one up. Would I you, think- would you uh, reverse it right now? If you could, if, if someone offered you chase straight up for, for pits in a premium, you would, uh, you would pull the trigger or you're not sure. I'd have to think, I'd, I'd think long and hard about it. I dig into it. Like obviously one year out, I completely am on the wrong side of that. But I, I do think, you know, obviously we're, we have not seen the best of pits yet. He had one touchdown. Yeah. I just many- took him. I just took him six overall uh, in a double PPR tight end league, single start, but double PPR. So I'm with you that, yeah, the early returns are favorite chase, but in any sort of premium league, you have to consider it the other way. All right, let's just finish this exercise. Cause I think yep. you, you brought up a really good point here. And this is how, you know, everyone thinks that like everyone's got their own special algorithm, how they do rankings. You know what my rankings are? My ranking, I'm a curator. I don't, I don't consider myself an expert. I consider myself a curator of information. I take everyone's information in. I have my process. I trust my observations, but I, I like talking to sharp people like yourself and then figuring out where I fall in there. And then I basically put up my cheat sheet, my rankings on Rotowire, how I would draft. So, but exactly. I, every, every, yeah, every Sunday That's I figure it out. It. Yeah. yeah. And then if anyone has questions, I can answer them logically. Um, I, let's see. Okay. So how about, uh, here's a good one. We unknown quarterback right now with DK Metcalf, 24 years old or Deontay Johnson, 25 years old. And I know these are so close, but these, I'm these are really them. close. But like I'm making these decisions every day, like mm-hmm. in under, in under, and I know it's not dynasty; it's it's you know redraft essentially in best ball. But like I've been taking I've been taking DK over Deontay. Yeah, just the talent, the big playability. Yeah, right. I, I think he's just a special talent, and I and I think whoever. I don't think it's going to be Drew Locke. Do you like maybe? I do. I do think it's going to be Drew Locke, um, mostly because even if they draft like a Kenny Pickett at number nine. Yeah. You know, that what they want to do is, I mean, you're right. If they're going to probably want to get Kenny Pickett on the foot, but the first four games of the season are season. probably going to be Drew Locke games. But Drew Locke's not not shy with the ball. He'll throw it downfield to DK. Like, I don't think you're going to feel like you have to, you know, sit, not that you're going to sit DK if you draft him where you drafted him, but I, I think you're going to put him out there pretty confidently, even with Locke. And there's going to be some, you know, inaccurate passes and it's not going to be smooth, but I think there will be numbers there. Yeah, DK is a big corrector of uh, of inaccurate passes. He can go up and get it. I like that. All right, so you like him, not as wide receiver nine, but you would be more comfortable wide receiver 12, 13, it sounds like, for Deontay Johnson. And you might say, oh, what's the difference between 12 and nine? It's like a round and a half. Which <laughs> a round and a half is a big difference. Right? It so, doesn't sound like it right now, but when you're actually like doing these drafts, it's all the difference. Well, re- the, the higher up in the draft, the more towards the start of the draft you are, the smaller the gap is of equivalent to a bigger gap later on. So the difference between pick one and pick 10 is just as big a gap as it is between rounds 12 and 17. That five-round gap 
means almost less than the players that you're picking between pick one and pick 10 just in itself. So, cause the magnitude of, of their impact comes down, obviously you can hit on sleepers, but you know, there's players that you would take in round 12 that if you took them in round 17, it wouldn't matter either. And vice versa. If you, there was players that you took in the last round of your best ball, you could easily take those guys in the 12, 13 range. All right. My first bust is a little more obvious, but, and it's, I guess I thought I was getting ahead of it a little here, but I'm going to tell you Al, Alvin Kamara, but I'm in a startup right now that's going on. We're in the seventh round. It's a super flexi, and he's still not off the board. Wow. So that tells you that the, um, the early dynasty drafters are not on him either. He's the next one in the queue, so he's going to go in this round. Yeah. Yep. But And again, in a super flex and a double tight end premium also with rookies in here. I mean, here's, here's a couple of the names that have gone off the board before Alvin Kamara. Okay. Uh, and, and by the way, this is a sample of one. We're going to talk about his yeah. ADP in a minute. Elijah Mitchell just went off. David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs, Travis Etienne, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, who's 29, all went off the board before 26, 27-year-old Alvin Kamara. Does that make sense to you? Why do you think – first of all, do you agree that Alvin Kamara is a landmine in Dynasty right now? I honestly, I didn't realize he was going that late in the seventh round. I I, have a super flex. So it's like it's like the fourth round. So it's like the fourth round of a – like I honestly haven't been getting a lot of Kamar in the drafts I'm doing so far. So I, I, I do agree. I clearly, the, the proof would be that I agree to you to, to, to some extent. I think a lot of people are scared off of what the, the new Orleans offense is going to be right now. Like I think it kind of the rumors are, are leading you to believe that it's going to be Jameis back there. And obviously we've seen a fall off from when, when Jameis was the quarterback in, in Kamara's production. And he has a ton of wear on the tires at this point. And I, I like to draft guys, whether it's in dynasty or best ball, I want to tell myself that I'm going to get their best season. Like, am I, am I going to get Al, Alvin Kamara's best season? If you draft him right now, is that a realistic expectation? Do you think? I, I don't think so. I think he's had his best season. So I, I don't I don't think you're crazy with that one. All right. Well, you know, when you talk about like their best season, you know, and this leads us into, you know, I've been the Zeke truther this this offseason. <laughs> and he's not obviously not on my bus list. I, I'm advocating to taking him. He's the player I'm going to be profiling in the player profiler. Roto Underworld draft kit this year. And I'm finalizing that video for those guys. Uh, you know, even if you don't get their best season, if I guess if the ADP is not the first round, is he going in the first round of underdog? Uh, I'm talking about Alvin Kamara again. Is he going in the first no, round? No, I think he's more of like a third round pick at this point. Or okay. in, the super, in the super flex, I think he's more like a fifth round pick. Right, which like, is which yeah. lines up with what I'm saying here. Okay, yeah. so, so maybe – and also a suspension could be looming for him too, which redrafters – you can't draft uh, Alvin Kamara – that early if it's going to be uh, a four game suspension, you know, for his bar fight. No, in Vegas. no. Cause then you're getting zero, 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 zero for the first four weeks. That, that kills you. Especially if, if you're third, if you draft him in the third round of a redraft and, and he misses four weeks, you're coming in a real big hole there. Yeah. All right. So it sounds like that he is kryptonite for a lot of drafters. If he falls this far, like if he's, if he lands on my pick right now in the seventh round, I'm probably going to take him. Uh, but you know that again goes into what we said originally that we don't hate players, we hate ADP. We hate ADP. Right. Like I'm not as high on Zeke as you are, but I find myself getting Zeke because he's really falling. Like everybody hates him. Like people think he's washed. People think Pollard is better. But I see Zeke like in the single quarterback big tournaments last to the late fifth round. Like 
at pick like 510, like I think the volume and the role and the touchdowns are going to be there that even if you don't think you're you're getting Zeke's best season, like I said before, he's a valuable player at that at that ADP, especially because if you're looking to take a running back there, that means you probably went Chase. You probably went Jefferson. Maybe you went early and got Lamar or Mahomes or something at QB or took a, an early tight end like Kelsey or someone. So now it's like, okay, I could plug this guy in. He's other than suspensions. He's healthy generally. And like, he might not be like a hundred percent, but he gets out there and plays and he'll, he'll scum you a couple touchdowns like here and there. <laughs> so I think it's like at that, like late fifth round, like I don't think there's a ton of like, risk to, to Zeke there as of yesterday in one QB Zeke's ADP was 46 so it's like late fourth but you're saying super flex it pops a little later no it pops later like I think that's ADP but like I've seen him last like I've taken him right. in like you know the underdog single single QB best ball late fifth round you can get right. him in well maybe maybe because it's ADP so it's average draft position so maybe yeah. he's going in the fifth round and I'm the one pushing the ADP up by taking him in the damn third round yeah. every time don't that, that I would say <laughs> do not take him because you don't need to like uh, if, I think it's different like it's different for everybody like if if you're a volume drafter like I am like you see some of these guys like Eagles and these guys do 150 in every contest I don't know how they find the time to do it like I to, to get the volume I down I get down is a pretty time consuming. But like if I'm going to do a hundred drafts in the best ball mania, I'm never going to take Zeke in the third round because I know there's going to be, you know, ten percent of those drafts or fifteen percent of those drafts where I could take him in the fifth round, and that's when I'm going to take him. Like I'm going to get my exposure to Zeke there, and I'll have right. some exposure to Zeke, but I'm never going to reach for him because I know that there's that's the that's the advantage of drafting a lot and drafting you know once a day and you know for months at a time that you you get a feel for that kind of stuff it's like i don't have to reach here for zeke even if i like him more than most because i know i'm going to be able to get him at a better price tomorrow or the next day in dynasty who are you taking there of those two just say you're on the clock it's the you know whatever round that those guys are going in camara or zeke in dynasty right now both age 27 I'm, i'm taking camara today i know that might disappoint you a little bit but just i don't think there's a pollard to camara's uh you know, yeah. in Kamara's backfield that, that, that can steal carries from him the way uh, Pollard can steal him from Zeke. So that that's fair enough. And then obviously he could have the, the counter argument of the quarterback, but for another day. All right. And that that your... could totally change too. Like if, if they draft like Kenny Walker or something, then, then all of a sudden I might be taking Zeke yeah. out of him. Yeah. Yep. All right. Who's your second dynasty bust? Who's a player that you're telling people don't trade for this guy. Don't draft him in your startup drafts. This is another one that I think is an excellent player, but and who's young in his prime. But I think Antonio Gibson's going entirely too high now, especially with um, McKissick back in the fold. Like, I think that takes the ceiling away. Like, I don't think he has, if McKissick's in that backfield, they're going to use him. They're going to use him on third downs. They're going to use him on, you know, the two minute drill. I think that takes away the, the ceiling of, of Gibson going, being a top five running back. I just, I know our buddy Brandon Adams is going to hate to hear that because he's the biggest McKissick truth. I mean, uh, the biggest um, Gibson truth there is. But in that dynasty startup you sent me, Gibson went in the second round ahead of a lot of backs that I would have taken over him. He went, Like who? Who were the, he, the backs that you would have taken that w- he went? And then who were some of the guys that went after that you prefer? I mean, this one... I might still take Gibson in a vacuum if they were going the same round where I think they should be in like the third or fourth, but he went six rounds ahead of Michael Carter, which I think is insane to me. Like the the two V two of like the receiver you're going to get 
in the second round where Gibson went to pair with Michael Carter in the eighth round compared to the receiver you're going to get in the eighth round to, to pair with Gibson. Like I'll take that Carter and like say Jefferson two V two every day. Like I think Carter is being undervalued there by a good two to three rounds. And I think, I mean, you're a jet guy. What do you, do you, do you think that Carter is being slept on? Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm in the minority. So everyone I talk to um, agrees with you uh, that Michael Carter is this great value, good player. And I think he's a good player, but it's um, I, I was taking a look at the second round real NFL draft board. And I see the jets have two early picks in the second round. I think that if any of the, if, if Kenneth Walker or if Brees Hall are there, they're going to take one of those guys. Yeah. And, that, and that obviously changes the outlook. Cause I think they have, let's, let's pull it up right now. Let's um, let's see. Second round NFL draft. So, and again, this is, you know, projecting because we can only look at what we have right now. Right. Okay. Yeah. In the second, let's see. I, I, put, I hit the wrong link. Uh, but yeah, so if they do take a running back, cause they have the two picks in the first round, right? Yep. And they have two early picks in the second round. Let's get, okay. The draft order for round two jets have pick 34 and they have pick, well, they got something that I'd have to look for it. All right. I, I'm, I don't want to do it. 34 is a prime running back spot. Like that's an area where a running back definitely could go. And I think, I don't know who says it. Like you need to have strong opinions, loosely held, like, I, I'm very willing oh, to like change that. that opinion on Carter. Like, I if if they draft Walker, right. I'm, I'm higher on Walker. And if here we go. Three- I got it. It's pick 35, so the third yeah. pick in the second, and then they also have pick 38, which they got from Carolina in the Sam Darnold trade. So 35 and 38. I would say that there's a good chance they could take one of the running backs. Uh, you know, even if it's Isaiah Spiller, who if he ends his stock could end up going back yeah. up. Now it may not be, and then okay, you're back in business. But in the eighth round, what you're talking about with Michael Carter, no brainer. Because if if they don't take a player, then you've just gotten like a fourth round running back that's a pass catching running back in the eighth round. And if they do take a player, you have a nice complimentary piece that's one injury away from having the whole backfield to himself. So his AD, Michael Carter's ADP still holds up. So, but yeah, I just think I mean, that I the- think there's a lot of people, obviously, a lot of people are kind of thinking on the same line you are because Carter goes significantly later in, in, in uh, best balls and, and in Dynasty, everything I'm seeing. So I think. You're, there's definitely a, a lot of skepticism and fear that they might draft a running back out there that's depressing his ADP right now. So if you yeah. believe in him like me, take him now because you're not mm-hmm. going to get a better price on him. Like this is yeah, this great is the point. time to buy. This is the time to buy. Yeah. Um. One of our guys in the chat, Crackshot, said Michael Carter will not be replaced. I don't think that's uh. If the Jets take a, a running back early in the second round, I don't think that they're thinking of as hey let's replace Carter. They're thinking it as something to uh, be a complimentary piece. Right, and but that that would take away the ceiling. That would if, if they yes. if they had Bre- a Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller, Kenny Walker in there. That does kind of remove the ceiling outcome. Yeah, because I think a lot of uh, mock drafts have the Jets taking a wide receiver at pick ten or their you know one of those early picks. And what what's the best way to uh, insulate their investment in Zach Wilson is to put pieces around him uh they signed two veteran tight ends and you know no one likes them for fantasy cj uzoma and tyler conklin but those are professional tight ends to shore up the blocking to help with the uh the short passing game of course they're getting Corey davis back everyone loves elijah moore if they add you know a a top 10 wide receiver and then uh, an elite running back to complement michael carter then there's no excuses they can figure out what they have with zach wilson so I think that that's a, a, a reasonable concern uh, given that the Jets have multiple picks in that, that 
prime running back. I like how you position that. It's a prime running back area. That's where Jonathan Taylor went. It's more or less where Clyde Edwards Hilaire went. Um, So this kind of leads me to one player I wanted to ask you about too, because going into this draft season, three guys that I kind of thought I was going to be able to get at a bit of a value and the market just loves that. Like, Trey Lance, who obviously killed everybody's best ball teams last year, but there is no discount on him where he's going. Um, Pitts, who was underperformed relative to what you expected and where you drafted him. He was going exact pretty much where Cooper Cup went, and he got one touchdown. And the one that I want to ask you about is, is Elijah Moore, who I love talent-wise, but you know, he, he, he missed time. Zach Wilson missed time. He didn't put up great numbers. And he's going in the fourth round. Like, he's going very high. Like no one is, is holding that anything against him. And I, I thought I'd be able to get him at a, a bit of a discount this season, but not at all. Like, yeah, no, you, you nailed it right there is that Elijah Moore is not on any of my best ball teams or my dynasty teams where I didn't take him in the rookie draft. And my, he's not in my startups. I love him. I, I really, but he is just going, someone always likes him more than me. I, yeah. My new dynasty philosophy, when I say new, it's like, I've, over the last decade of playing dynasty, you sort of, you evolve and I'm not going to fight people in the room for someone. I'm not going to be, you know, I don't have like my guy. I have my, I have my guys that people hate. You know, we talked about Zeke earlier, you know, uh, Mike Evans falls into that category now where he goes into the the third round of redraft, but like the seventh or eighth round of dynasty <laughs> startups because of his age. Yeah, dynasty no, players true. are ages. So you're talking they about really Elijah are. Moore and we elevate dynasty players as a whole. We elevate youth and sometimes to a fault. Now, Elijah Moore, you hit it on the head. Would love to have him, but there's always someone in the room that likes him better than I do. He's on zero of my startups. The only place I have him was where I was lucky enough to, you know, had pick 110 or 22 in my rookie drafts last year, and I was able to get him. So now, if they draft like a Drake London or a Garrett Wilson, guys that like you've seen mock to them with their like second, first round pick there, do you think that hurts Elijah Moore? Do you think that kind of like, or takes double coverages away from him. What do you think? Or is that a, a, a knock him down? I, I think that those guys don't do what Elijah Moore does. So it allows him to operate in the field. Uh, Elijah Moore's dynasty value and redraft value is not going to depend on an, another rookie uh, coming in. It's going to depend on the development of Zach Wilson. And we saw, like, we saw the flat, we saw enough from Elijah Moore to get excited about him that when he was healthy and when he's on the field, and I think he had his big game with Mike White, though, didn't he? <laughs> I think he did, yeah. Yeah. So Mike White looked kind of good there for a week yeah, or two. Yeah. I heard was they, my... they brought him and Flacco back, which I thought was kind of weird. Like Yeah. Well, Flacco is almost making no money. The Jets He's like a room. coach on the field, right? Essentially. More or less, like, yes. Yeah. The reports were that Joe Flacco does some of the ass kicking in the locker room that the coaches can't do nowadays. So Okay. That makes yeah, sense. It's, yeah. He's basically a high paid coach, but can get in there just in case things fall apart again. And so. one other quick thing on the Jets uh, receiving core there. Like I was talking to our our buddy Johnny Bomber, who's a big Jet fan, fantasy player for a million years, and he doesn't really look at ADP or start um, drafting until after the NFL draft. And he was shocked to hear that Elijah Moore was going like eight, nine rounds ahead of Corey Davis. Like you could get Corey Davis in like the 12th, 13th round of drafts, and Elijah Moore never gets out of the fourth. Do you find that? gap to be yeah, um, that's, a value yeah i mean it, the problem is that Corey davis is a perennial disappointment for fantasy uh he being week one last year he exploded everyone's like ah oh, 
It was so obvious. Why didn't I take Corey Davis in the yeah. eighth, ninth round? And then he did what Corey Davis does. He got injured, got production yeah. problems after that. So I think the gap is warranted, but sure. So it, our friend Johnny Bomber, like you just brought up, brings up an int- the best point in, in Dynasty and in redraft and best ball is – when the gap, when there's really in a vacuum, no difference between when the gap is unexplainable, yeah. you always want to take the later guy. You you brought it up with Deontay Johnson and Claypool. Claypool, right? Because as like, much as we want, shocked if Claypool had more fantasy points than Deontay Johnson this year. You wouldn't project it. You wouldn't predict it per se. But I don't think it would shock you. Yeah, and the same thing goes for on in the top of the draft with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Now, of yeah. course, you're going to take Jamar Chase first, but. There's four. There's going to be two, three, four week stretches where T. Higgins, Higgins is the preferred out, receiver, course, right? Yeah. So, and it may on a seasonal basis not be that way, or you know, Higgins might be the 16 point guy where Chase gets eight points, and we all know Jamar Chase can give you that 40 or 50 point mega throbber on any week, and that's why we like him for his explosive upside. So, all those points that you just asked me about, I think are really smart to just ask yourself. Uh, you don't always, you know, sometimes it's okay to get excited and reach up for a player like you're doing, you know hundreds of best balls just you you have to lean into elijah more a little bit because what if the market's right you know even if fading the market's good but you do want to get a couple of shares yeah yeah it's a very interesting question it also leads to what i I hate saying this because i do like the player but my next dynasty bust based on where he's been going is amon ross st brown and i really like amon ross st brown i know i i was taking him high but when you think about this is that uh, I mean, what we it's sometimes you can't just go with the generalizations. He was a fourth round draft capital guy. Like the Lions are probably going to get another pass catcher too. They re-signed Josh Reynolds, not someone you're scared of, but the offensive coordinator that they had last year, Ben Johnson, right? Is he going to be calling the plays again? That's what I need to figure out because I saw a quote from Amon Ra that says that his uh, peak, his spike in production was due to this guy Ben Johnson, who I admittedly don't know much about really designing the plays for him, really focusing on him. And we know TJ Hawkinson was out. out. So Uh, Swift was out. Yeah. And And that's fine. I still think Amon Ra is a good player, but I worry about, you know, him getting, uh, you know, it's, it's when you are first round wide receiver in the real NFL draft, you are, you're insulated for a couple of years. When you're a fourth round guy, you could have these breakouts and Gabriel Davis is going to be another guy that, you know, we can get into that people are going to be excited about because if he had a late season pop, they're going to be in a very similar range. Amon Ryan goes a little before Gabriel Davis, but yeah, I'm a little worried about Amon Ra based on his startup ADP and I like him and I, but just every time I'm thinking about him, somebody jumps me ahead of him. Again, I'm, Again, well, how can you take Amon Ross St. Brown ahead of Mike Evans in any format? You're talking about a Hall of Fame, walk-in Hall of Fame wide receiver, usually good for double-digit touchdowns or a thousand yards in a season. Amon Ross St. Brown's explosive. So, Here's an based on my one. argument, talk about him a little bit. Well, in our Madden Curse Dynasty League that you run, the Amon Ra owner—I forget who it was—actually, I think it's DK. It might be DK. That sounds right. He offered me Amon Ra a couple weeks ago for my 23-1. And I, I thought about it. I thought long and hard about it, but I turned it down because I don't I don't know where. So you um, would rather have the 23-1 than Amon Ra's ways. Okay. I did. I, I mean, I, I made that is, decision. I agree with, by the way. And I love Amon Ra. I was way overweight him in best ball. It was one of like my best calls last year. Like I had a ton of Amon Ra St. Brown. I just thought the role was going to be there. I didn't believe in any of the other receivers that Detroit brought in. I liked him at USC. And I thought, I think people 
I think people underestimate slot receivers that, especially in a full point PPR, like I had a ton of him on DraftKings, which is full point PPR. I think people don't realize that, that, that a slot that underestimate just pure volume that a slot receiver like Amon Rock could get. Like you see it every year, like two years ago, it was like Cole Beasley last year. It was uh Hunter Renfro and, and Amon Ra. I think a sneaky one, actually, and I was talking to, uh, to Bomber about this yesterday, too. I think Berrios could have some value w- late where he's going in, like, the 18th, 19th round of uh, of a best ball draft. I think he could be a guy. I mean, he's not going to he's not gonna win you the league, but I think he's a guy that if, if things break right for him and he's playing in the three wide receiver sets, he could provide some PPR value for you and, and plug up bye weeks and, and, and hit your lineup three or four times in the season in a best ball yep. format. When you're talking about best ball, and we'll sneak back over to the dynasty discussion because I want to get your third dynasty bust in just a second. But you're talking about 18th round. All you want in those spots, in my judgment, is guys that are going to score for you about three to four times in your season, meaning they're going to make your lineup four times. If that happens, you're lucky. And yeah, Berrios, I I don't know so much in the half PPR, but I had he's my most owned player in underdog because earlier in the season, before he resigned his contract, I was routinely he was my last pick. He was my pocket my pocket pick. Like I, yep. I got him anytime you want. I seen him go a little bit higher now because he signed that contract, but, and I, and I like that pick tremendously. All right. Let's talk about your third dynasty bust. Who's somebody that dynasty right. startup players should not take at their current ADP. This is another one. Like I I'm coming all with like good, good players in their primes. But for me, I'm out on Kyler at where he's currently going. I think there's just too much. Hold on, let me just, let me just tell you the ADP He's going six overall QB five. Yeah, and I've seen him like go QB six, QB six, sorry, QB six. Yeah, and I've seen him go ahead of guys like Lamar and Herbert, who I would. It's it's just not that I obviously Kyler's a great fantasy player, but I think I'm I'm putting a lot more stock into what I saw in that playoff performance. Like he completely looked shook. He just gagged to a level that like is just concerning. And even like when Lamar had bad playoff performances, he still put up numbers. Like he still was there. And I, I know the play it's, I don't want to like barrel down to one game, but there's a lot of stuff going on. He missed, he's my size. Essentially. He missed significant time. The last two seasons with nagging injuries. We don't feel confident that he's going to be healthy. Is Kingsbury solid going forward there? They're losing. They lost Kirk. They haven't really added any significant weapons. Hopkins is another year older and couldn't stay healthy. He's beefing with the organization. If I got to choose, if I'm on the board and I have Herbert, Lamar, or Kyler, I'm not taking Kyler out of those three. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And that's yeah. the, so that's why I think I'm, I'm not going to own a lot of Kyler in, in dynasty or, or best ball at this point. Like so I, I just rather build my, my super flex team around a bigger quarterback, a burrow, a Herbert a Lamar than a Kyler who, who is having problems with this organization. He's beefing with his general manager. Who's sending out weird missives that like emo, <laughs> like yeah. notepad missives, you know? Yeah. I, I like that call. So in dynasty Superflex leagues, it, the, there's a top three tier. It's Mahomes, Herbert, and Josh Allen in some order. I've seen Herbert go as high as one. That's fine. I have no problem with it. And then yeah. Bill Burrow is settled in as the consensus four. And then the fifth QB off the board here. I'm just looking at this latest startup that I'm in right now. Okay, so Kyler went fifth, this one. So then the next tier is the Kyler, Dak, and Lamar Jackson tier. And then you could throw – some people still will – will elevate Trevor Lawrence and dynasty just based on his age. Now I wouldn't do that. I have him full tier below. That's fine. Yeah. I so agree with that. So what you're saying here is yeah, Kyler, I mean his, you would pass on him. Let's say that the Dak and Lamar are off the board and you're in the first round. What you're saying is you'd rather pivot to a position player like a Jamar chase or whoever your wide receiver. Yes. One yes. Is, I'm, I'm going to take Kyler. I'm going to take a chase or Jefferson over Kyler. Like I'm just not getting Kyler there. Like, and, and granted he would be my next guy, but before Lawrence, like I would, I would stop that. That's the pivot point for me where like, I, I would still take him over Lawrence, but I'm not going to get him. Cause I'm going to take, you know, position players, position yeah. player. Yeah. So, okay. So that's the takeaway. That's the, uh, that's the actionable takeaway right there. And I like that because sometimes, and you know, I, as a super flex enthusiast, I'm a quarterback first. Hoard those quarterbacks. They have yep. they have even more trade value after the draft is over than they do in the startup draft. So, you know, like for an example, take a, a quarterback that's there's values depressed. Someone like Carson Wentz, you get him in like the eighth, ninth round of super flex, right? I mean, of these startup yeah. drafts. Some, you know, in best ball, it might be a little bit higher. But after, if someone offered you a first round pick, you almost are not gonna take it. 
because you need to start a quarterback. You need to have a quarterback just in case your quarterback one and two get hurt, or you may, you may, he may be your quarterback too. So that's why I like quarterbacks because they hold more value after the draft, even though within the draft. Uh, but what you said is you're in the first round, you want to get a player that you feel great about. And if you don't feel great about Kyler Murray, And the other quarterbacks there, you feel you can get around later, an older player, Derek Carr, a couple rounds later. You are smart right there. That's a good piece of actual advice. Don't feel locked into taking any position. Take the best player available in these dynasty startup trips. So uh, I like that a lot. Uh, As far as like your seasonal ranking, I mean, where would you rank him uh, amongst other quarterbacks? Even if you're going to pivot to position players, I mean, there's obviously a a point where you would take him. so you have, we just talked about that top four, including Burrow. Yeah. Who's, who's going to be your fifth quarterback then? Is it going to be Lamar? It's Lamar for me. I mean, okay. I, and I know it's a little hypocritical because they're both in kind of the same contract situation where they are not signed long-term. And I think they're both well, ultimately get it done. But Chris, one of them, one of them has an MVP on their resume. Exactly. And one of them has been a league, like an absolute league winner in fantasy in his MVP. MVP year like if you had Lamar you were printing I traded him to you that year (laughs) foolishly you got the better of me of that for David Johnson maybe the worst trade in my entire life in my two decades of uh, single quarterback league David Johnson still had some hope left so he was still going like first overall so in context but it was just a horrible decision so yeah and by the way in that trade I wanted Baker Mayfield you forced me to take Lamar so you know so we're both donkeys in that regard but but this (laughs) one makes us both sound bad but you you couldn't get out of your own way in that trade no no oh my goodness (laughs) it reminds me of when the geek tried to wouldn't take herbert for uh daniel jones for me herbert's rookie year and uh and i'm still living off that one we both we both uh look look not too bright for that one yeah, as, as we start to finish up here, uh, I got a couple other players I want to ask you about uh, for dynasty purposes. Now, Deshaun Watson is was traded to Cleveland. Uh, I love the landing spot for him. I'll, I'll get your take on that in a moment. Amari Cooper is starting to move up the boards. I'm already seeing it, and for good reason. But it's reasonable to at least explore the idea that Deshaun Watson is, misses six or eight games. And Amari Cooper is not a spring chicken. I mean, what is he going to be 28 when the season starts? You're basically losing half. Let's assume for a second you're losing half of, and if you don't lose any, that's fine. But let's, let's make the assumption that he gets eight game suspension. And let's just, let's just say that Roger Goodell came down and that's a suspension. Can, can you still elevate Amari Cooper knowing you're going to miss, you're going to have eight games of Jacoby Brissett? Um, I, I, I see. I tend to be lower on Amari Cooper than than market in general, um, just because. But it's Watson. That's well, the not, thing. Now with what it, is it though? Like like you said, there's precedence. Zeke missed six. Was suspended six games with no criminal charges. With an incident with one female. Roethlisberger was suspended four games with no criminal charges and an incident with one female. I mean. This is just pure speculation. We're guessing on what Goodell's yeah. going to do. Like none of us are uh, in Goodell's basement in that comfy chair trying to hear what he's planning <laughs> on doing with suspensions. But um, in Dynasty, I'm ignoring it because I think you're going to look at the, we're looking at Dynasty as a three year proposition. Like he has, like Watson has this contract now completely guaranteed. I, I do think, I think Cleveland, I'm kind of mixed on the landing spot because I thought like, when, when, when everybody assumed he was going to Atlanta, I'm like, okay, he's going to be firing up to pits indoor in a dome. 
Arthur Smith, I, we think is a good offensive mind. They don't have a receiver yet now with Ridley suspended, but they're probably going to draft one, you would think. But I, I like Stefanski, and I, I do think that that's a sharp um, brain trust they have there in Cleveland. And I think they will figure out how to make the most out of Deshaun. So in Dynasty, I think I like it. In in redraft or in best ball right now, until we have the the suspension news, I'm kind of holding off a bit. Yeah. I was I was drafting him. I got a decent amount of shares of Watson before the whole legal verdict came down or lack thereof, like lack of indictment, because you were getting him at a, at a really depressed value, like relative to what he's worth now, like relative to where he's going now. So I got some shares, but I think I'm going to like kind of cool, cool it a little bit until, until we know whether or not he's because because right now he's being drafted especially in this super flex contest and i think i i haven't done any dynasty since the 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 lack of a indictment came down but he's being drafted like he's missing no time so you're not getting a value by picking him now like if, if you're if you're gonna have volume whether it's in dynasty or best ball i don't think this is necessarily the time to to pick him because he's going he's going in like the late first early second of like the the super flex underdog contest so i don't think he could even move up that much like a couple spots maybe yeah i like the landing spot a lot for watson because one amari cooper is a is a professional wide receiver let's you know he's if, if he's not top 10 he's he's top 20 right he's one of the best 20 yeah. receivers in the league easily i don't think that's a outrageous statement to make uh will fuller sitting out there that's uh, interesting ready. i could totally see them signing him but then again with him like he missed a whole season with the finger last year. Like who knows with Will Fuller. What you're yeah. Doing. I just based on the relationship and then what yeah. we see in the chemistry with Will Fuller, Will Fuller and Deshaun Watson is league. Win- when I say league winning, it's week winning. Like Will, Will yeah. Fuller, he'll, he has the ability to win the week by himself. He has 40 point fantasy point upside oh, yeah. at any given week. We know that. And then, you know, Donovan Peoples Jones has always been a favorite of mine. Uh, look, flash like faces last year. Deshaun Watson's an elevator. He brings the, the value of all the other players that he's playing with up the, the offensive line. He's never played with a good offensive line. He has a pretty solid offensive line. Two never great running really backs. Good yeah, good. Two good running backs. I really like Deshaun Watson in this spot, and especially I don't think they're done. And now there's there's discussion this morning that Jarvis Landry may resign there. Gives okay. them that really great underneath threat. We saw Njoku get a franchise tag. Still more of a projection, but we like his athleticism. So I think he with with Cooper with uh, Austin Hooper being released, I could see Njoku having a, a big season relative to where he's being drafted right now. Yeah, he's moving up though. He's in the he, tight he end fourteen range. But if you love Fuller and, and if you want to, this is, this is like what we were talking about, like drafting this time of year, you want to like get some values that aren't going to be there. Draft Will Fuller now and pair him with Deshaun. If you are drafting Deshaun, because Will Fuller's going right now, his ADP is 124. Like Will Fuller is essentially free. He's going, he's going like one spot, like ahead of Josh Palmer, who's, you know, the third receiver who I like, but He's not as talented as Will Fuller. He doesn't and, have uh, league winning upside up or, or week winning upside. No, that, that Fuller has. And if Fuller signs in Cleveland tomorrow, that, that ADP is going to jump 30 spots. So if you're, if, if you, even if you're not stacking him with Watson, like Fuller, if you're drafting today and you're someone like Alan Soslowski who thinks that, that Fuller is going to end up in Cleveland, drafting today, you're going to get a 30, a 30 spot uh, discount on where he's going to go tomorrow, you know? Yep. And like I said, it's, it's not, and you just pointed out a good, uh, something nice is that it's not just about getting the 30 ADP discount. It's about 
what could that player do? Because if Josh Palmer moves up 15 spots, we just used him as an example as a yeah. nice player. Nice little possession receiver. Right. But Will Fuller actually can get those 35 fantasy point yeah. leagues and happen if, and really push your 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 scores up. If, so if you get the season, if you get the season, the ceiling season out of Will Fuller, there's probably only a 10% chance that you get it. If he's healthy, plays 17 games with Deshaun Watson, he can win you your, your league at the 12th round or wherever he's going right now, 11th round, he can be a league winner. There's not a lot of 12th round guys that have that ceiling outcome in their, in their reach. I'm with Chris Felicetta. Uh, where can they find you on Twitter? Um, just at my name at Chris Felicetta. You see it up there on the screen. F- and I'll also free. link it. I'll link it in the, uh, the video description below mm-hmm. and just tell everyone what you're working on right now in the best ball space, which, cause again, I'm a regular reader. Anytime you post something, I wish you would do it more often because every time, you, every time you post something, I, I, it's, it's appointment reading for me. Right so now, tell, tell everyone what, what you're doing, how often you're doing it and how they can find it. Right now. I'm just checking in like, Every few weeks with a few, with some best ball articles, just highlighting ADP moves and stuff. And then once after the, the draft um, happens and, and free agency is totally settled, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to do what I did last year on DFS Army is just do a summer stock report where I go through each division and team by team, just breaking down all the latest camp rumors, you know, talking about stuff like. And Jamar Chase not being able to catch according to some beat writers and whether or not we believe and stuff like that. Cause not everybody's like, you know, as obsessive as we are and grinding it on Twitter every, every day and, and up on everything. So just an article like that to like, keep you abreast of what the, the latest ADPs moves are team by team and what the latest uh, like beat reporter Intel and stuff like that. And then let you decide, like give you my take on what I think is actionable and like let people decide for themselves if they want to want to believe that and take those stands. So we covered a lot today. We covered dynasty bus. We covered some best ball strategy and we talked about players that might be a little bit polarizing that the market is pulling up and that we might be pulling down. So uh, I I love talking dynasty with you, Chris. I really appreciate you doing this, man. And what we're going to do is every Monday we'll be back with a new podcast and just a couple, a couple of notes right here. Housekeeping notes is that, you can get our dynasty and best ball rankings for free right now at Rotowire. Just go to rotowire.com forward slash try. You don't have to put in a credit card. You just put in your email and you get the, all the, uh, the paywall stuff unlocked for 10 days. Okay. That's all. You don't have to do anything. And then after 10 days, it just goes away. You don't have to like cancel anything. So if you want some free rankings and all the premium stuff at Rotowire, it's right there up on the screen or in the video description below. Just go to rotowire.com forward slash try. I refresh the dynasty Superflex rankings every week. It definitely needs a little refresh right now uh you're gonna move my guy deontay johnson down a couple slots down way down (laughs) just a couple it's a couple (laughs) and uh all right i'm alan sislowski from rotowire every monday new dynasty fantasy football podcast all right chris thanks for doing this we'll have you back in a few weeks uh, sorry a few months again once the best ball season's really underway and next week, everybody, we have a great show. Dalton Del Don from Yahoo Sports is coming on, and he's going to uh, tell me why Tony Pollard should be ranked above Zeke Elliott. Ooh, We're gonna that, have is, that, that is some appointment listening right there because yeah. I know that, that that hits at the heart of you right there. <laughs> and I'm actually profiling Zeke, I told you, for the Roto Underworld for Podfather's draft kit. Uh, last year I did Joe Burrow. Uh, tough take for me last year telling people not to draft Joe Burrow. But <laughs> – this year, I'm going to make the case to why Zeke at ADP is probably the best best value on the board. All right, Chris, thanks for doing this, man. We'll see everybody next week. Appreciate it.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.